So Major League Baseball is upon us. And if you really want to think about all the different sports of 2020, baseball was really one of the big surprise uh, success stories of last year. Well, we get it back this year. And this time possibly with crowds in a lot of situations. Um, But gentlemen, the 2021 baseball season is upon us. Are you guys excited for it? Like, what, what What are you guys' thoughts going into this year? I'm super excited. I mean, I love baseball season, so um, I'm definitely all about it. I think uh, last season was still really good, the baseball season. It was obviously shortened and stuff, but uh, we got to see a bunch of interesting things happen. And uh, being a Rays fan, uh, living in the Tampa Bay area, I'm excited to actually get to witness some uh, some excellence in person this season. Right. Yeah, I'm definitely I'm excited too. I think that the game should be in a good spot. There's a lot of really good young talent around the league. Um, now, if Major League Baseball will actually translate that into anything is yet to be seen. Uh, I'll give you the answer quickly. Probably not. But hopefully they seize this opportunity because there's there's so much young talent and there's some more that's on the cusp. Guys will probably see, you know, a month in the season once the service time doesn't count for this year. So I know Trevor Bauer makes the joke a lot uh, that his Cy Young last year was a Mickey Mouse uh, Cy Young award. Uh, Was last year a Mickey Mouse season, given the uh, shortened season um, and obviously just completely different environment everyone was playing in? Uh, Is there any validity to last season or should should there be an asterisk on it? I mean, I think in general, the teams that we expected to be there we're pretty much there in the, you know, in the playoffs and stuff like that. Obviously expanding the playoffs, you made it a little bit more difficult, but I mean, I called Rays Dodgers world series before the season started. They both appeared to have really good teams. The Yankees were also, you know, a, a really good team in there. And then you saw some teams tick up, but I don't think that those teams that ticked up were for the most part were that fluky. So yeah, I think, I think- the season's, pretty valid and uh the dodgers being the the winner is i have no issue with that everyone played under the same conditions I, i'm not i don't really give too much credence into the idea that you know a shortened season should have an asterisk i don't especially in baseball i don't think it really altered the, the structure of uh the game that much and the playoff i think the playoffs are more difficult with a larger field yeah, I mean, if anything, if like the Astros, for instance, had actually been the team that won the World Series, then you could say they didn't probably deserve it, and they that was a fluke because they wouldn't have normally made the playoffs. But uh, given what the actual results were, uh, it seems to have played out pretty well. Yep. Regardless of circumstance, we would have tr- probably tried to take away the validity of that. At least yeah. we would oh, have the Astros for sure. Yeah, yeah, we, we would have found some way to attack that. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> But the, the season is upon us, gentlemen, and uh, we got a lot of changes. Obviously, a lot of moves took place this offseason. Uh, so what I'd love to do today is, you know, kind of go through each division, uh, get your guys' takes on each team, um, get Vegas's take on every team, obviously, because we uh, we are degenerates. And uh, yes, just, just get a uh, kind of a preview, especially uh, I want to talk some some serious fantasy um, because as as uninteresting as baseball is at times, I think that it's one of the most fantasy relevant sports there is. Um, and talk about just you know, just a, if, if you're a stats machine, you love numbers. Baseball is your sport, and that's why it works so well with fantasy. Yeah, sure. there's there's so many great 
you know, statistics that are just individualized, right? Every player has these statistics that you can comb through um, that makes it really, really play well. I believe it's actually the first sport that, you know, fantasy really began with and rotisserie um, way back in the day. So, yeah, it's, it's a sport you could almost follow entirely from a statistical perspective, which makes it pretty interesting for me. Um, for but, sure. All right, so let's kick it off on a, on a divisional basis. Uh, we're going to start with our own division, the AL East. Uh, obviously, some Rays fans on the pod. Um, give me your thoughts on this division and 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 who's going to take it. To me, this it's kind of a wrinkle, uh, and, and it's kind of the same story it's been for the last few years. On paper, with the with the revenue that the New York Yankees have, if they stay healthy or healthy enough, they should win the division. Now it's a matter of one: do they perform, and two: do they stay healthy enough? They bring in you know a couple veteran pitchers, uh, Jameson Tyon and uh, Corey Kluber. They lose Adovino and really weakens what was probably the weakest part of their team, anyways, from their their bullpen. But I think they have enough firepower if everyone stays mostly healthy. Obviously, Judge and Stan can't seem to stay healthy long term. Uh, Luke Voigt starts the season on the disabled list with, I think, a hamstring issue that should keep him out for a period of time. No, sorry, a meniscus issue that should keep him out for a period of time. So Jay Bruce is starting first baseman for the New York Yankees, which is pretty... It's not ideal. Um, But I'm excited to see from a fantasy perspective, do they free Clint Frazier? Because to me, that's one of the most dynamic stories around the league. Uh, the Yankees refuse to let a guy play who does nothing but rakes when he plays. Like Clint Frazier hits the shit out of the baseball. Looks good doing it. Like he's prototypical right-handed power hitter. And they just really seem adverse to letting him play. Yeah, so I actually have Frazier in one of my fantasy leagues. That was a, a later round pickup that I really liked getting. Um in just terms of how I was trying to build my outfield, he was a perfect fit with a lot of upside. I do think that the Yankees, if they have a weakness, they are a little bit too right-handed um, in terms of batting. So if a team has a lot of really good right-handed pitching, they can attack that weakness, and the Yankees don't have a lot of ways to address that. Um, I think Kluber, if healthy, could be a pretty solid addition. I don't think he's Corey Kluber Cy Young days, though, anymore. I think those days no. are past. Tyone is a guy who could play up there. The Yankees tend to find something in a lot of these young pitchers and untap something. Um, but I still think that the team, the beat in this division are the Rays. Uh, they actually, Vegas has the line at 95 and a half wins for the Yankees. And I'm punting that all day. Uh, I think that's going to be closer to probably 92, 93 is going to get the win and it's going to, it's going to be a lot closer. So, you know, they've got the Rays at 85 and a half. There's a 10 win gap. There's no way that they're, those teams are two are 10 wins apart in my opinion. Um, the Rays do lose Snell, Morton, um, but they bring in Rich Hill, Colin McHugh, Chris Archer, uh, Michael Waka. Um, so they address, you know, the high end guys with a little bit of more depth, which in a season in which you're jumping from 60 games to 162, I think that that's actually a really smart thing to do. Um, one interesting team is, uh, I think Toronto is going to be really interesting to watch this year. A lot of really good dynamic young players. They bring in Springer, but do they have enough pitching is the big question mark there. Yeah, I think the answer is no. I don't think they do have enough pitching, especially on the backside. Um, I'm curious to see what Nate Pearson does. I, I'm a big fan of, of him, um, but I don't know if he's enough to kind of write the ship there. Besides that, I mean, Ryu's the only big name they have. Um, 
I, I, I love what they do at the plate, though. I mean, all those second generation players with Biggio and and uh, Bichette, and I mean, Lords Goriel looks great at times. Vladdy Jr. Yeah, I mean, it's a fun team. It's a young team. Kind of what's right with baseball, but I don't think they have the pitching. I like Tampa a lot too, and and <clears throat> some of the questions around Tampa for me are, are when does Wander Franco make his debut? Um, a lot of teams, a lot of people around baseball seem to think that he's ready to make the jump. He's been the number one prospect in baseball for the last two years. Uh, they get bring in Patino. They have like I think eight guys in the top seventy from the prospect standpoint. And another interesting thing is I think they're primed to make some acquisitions. They have five guys in the top one hundred and twenty five ish rankings who all play second or short. So they definitely have you know they can move Xavier Edwards, they can move Vidal Brujan, they can move Greg Jones, uh, and they still have you know a really solid middle infield with with Lau and. Uh, I think eventually it'll be Franco. I think they'll probably move Adamus over, um, or they move Adamus out. Out. Yeah. So I think for this year, it is more likely. I mean, it's possible that Willie Adamus gets traded. Um, he is at that at that point in his career where he could could get traded. But if he does not get traded, I think he winds up staying at shortstop, and we see Wander Franco come up and play some third base. Uh, Joey Wendell is currently the third baseman that's penciled in there. And Wander Franco is just one. He's a better athlete. Um, he's going to be able to make the throw much better. Wendell sometimes struggles with that a little bit, in my opinion. And he's obviously going to be a much better hitter. Agreed. Yeah, he's he's really exceptional at the plate. He's got a big enough arm to play third. I, I could see them doing that. I think Greg Jones is probably long term. If they're going to keep a group of guys, might be the third baseman out of the group. Um, but I'm excited. I mean, Bruhan's supposed to be major league ready too. So I'd yeah. be curious to see who moves on. Bruhan allegedly can play a little center field. Um, he can play second base as well, but I think Lau has second base locked down. And with the addition, uh, the, I think the outfield's pretty well set too, unless they move Kiermaier, which is obviously an opportunity too. So what is it yeah. about the uh, Rays transition into this year that Vegas doesn't like? Because obviously they're the reigning AL champs. Uh, Vegas, according to their over-under, barely has them over 500. So what is it that the Rays are losing uh, that they hate so much and that they, I mean, at 95 and a half for the Yankees, uh, over, you know, 10 wins, like you said. Uh, there's clearly something that Vegas is seeing. Uh, what What is that? I think the back, the back half of that starting rotation has a lot of question marks. Uh, they have like three or four guys where you don't know what you're going to get out of them, really. When you look at Waka, when you look at McHugh, when you look at especially Chris Archer, they to me, they just need one or two of those guys to figure it out. And I think Vegas doesn't really – I think Vegas has a hard time with Tampa, too, because they don't know how to evaluate what they'll do from a, from a, from a strategy standpoint. They may go to a lot of openers and just have some guys eat chunk innings. They might – have a traditional starting rotation, you know, one through four, and then and then get creative on the back end. I, I think that's really a hard read for them. Uh, I like them over that number as well. I, I like them to get to about 90, 93 in that range. Yeah, and so what what I would say is, uh, building on your point there, that they don't necessarily understand the race strategy. They also, it's a lot of these are based on projections of, uh, you know, what guys have done previously, right? 
So when you look at it from that perspective, you're not factoring in potential. And it's really hard to do that with a lot of young guys. So we look at the Rays rotation right now. And yes, there's Archer and Rich Hill and Colin McHugh and, and Michael Waka, But that easily second half of the year could be guys like Brent Honeywell, um, Brendan McKay, Chimbaz. Uh, Luis Patino. Yeah. So, I mean, if the Rays are not succeeding, they're going to bring up some of those young arms. And Vegas has a hard time projecting that to be successful. And you look at it, you mean first base, their opening day first baseman, Susugo, who did, showed us nothing last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now shortened season coming over from from overseas. Is there an adjustment period? You know, Will he kind of show, even if he shows 80% of what we thought he was going to be, he'll be a serviceable first baseman. Um, but I, there's a lot of question marks. And, and I, I get their risk and I get you know keeping that number down. But I just, on paper, looking at it, I just don't see Toronto being better than Tampa. It's going to be yeah, interesting watching Archer uh, after obviously coming back disgraced from Pittsburgh. But the Rays have a weird way of resurrecting careers and making guys who just kind of fell apart in other places just look really good uh, in Tropicana Field. So really going to be interesting to watch that guy, especially because he essentially made the Rays organization with the, with that trade. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, you look at it and you get uh, Austin Meadows, who's an all-star. You get um, <clears throat> Shane Baz, who's going to be an all-star, potentially. And uh, Tyler Glass now, who's an ace and potential Cy Young winner, um, all come in that trade. And then you get Archer back two years later after you know some mediocre seasons out of him on a really cheap deal. Archer did say one specific thing. He is scrapping his two-seam fastball, which is what absolutely got pummeled in Pittsburgh. So... That's uh, that's pretty much Ray's way there. They don't like the two seamer that much. No, yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he gets his groove back because man, he had a couple seasons with the Rays where he was just lights out. How Absolutely. bad is Baltimore this year? <laughs> if it if it wasn't for Detroit, I would think that they have a real shot at being the worst team in baseball. Uh, but I think Detroit's a nice safety net underneath them there. Vegas um, likes them. Vegas I, likes I, Detroit I better. <laughs> I think it's Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is the worst team. By Pittsburgh's really long. bad too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Baltimore has some interesting pieces, but they're mostly on the hitting end, and they're fairly young. Their pitching is just bad, and that's a bad place for bad pitching. Like it's so easy to hit homers there. Ball flies out of Camden Yards. Um, so that that's their biggest issue, in my opinion. Awesome. That yeah, for sure. Let's let's move. Uh, we'll stay on the East. We'll move over to the NL uh, in what could be one of the best conferences in all of baseball or divisions in all of baseball. Uh, the NL East: the Mets, the Braves, the Nats, Phillies, and the Marlins. Obviously, the Marlins a huge surprise last year. Um, what do you guys see out of this division, and uh, how much of the Marlins' success was tied to the Mickey Mouse season of last year? <laughs> Uh, I like the Marlins a lot, honestly. I like their young guys. I think they they are building, kind of rebuilding an organization the right way. You look at a, a team that gave up in a not long period of time: Mike Stanton, Christian Yelich, Marcelo Zuna. Um, they've given up a lot, but those they've turned those resources into something. I, I, I honestly, one of the guys that's not listed on our, our little cheat sheet here is one of my favorite players. They have is Jazz Chisholm. I love power hitting second baseman. Like that's you know, anytime you can get plus power out of out of a, a position you usually don't get it from, I'm a big fan of that. He reminds me of like uh, like Glaber Torres, Alfonso Soriano type of just masher from the second base spot. Um, 
assuming he plays there. I don't know if they're going to move. They have him play shortstop. I think he's a natural shortstop. But so I think, so I think he's 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 opening day second baseman is what they said. Yeah. Um, they do have Rojas at shortstop who they like. He's not anything special, but he's he, he's a decent hitter. He's proven. Um, they the one thing that so Chisholm came over in a trade uh, last season. That's why he's not on this list. This is supposed to be new guys oh, from yeah. this year. But um, um, but they also have Starling Marte, who they acquired in that same deal. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's going to provide a huge lift for them in center field because he can actually go get the ball and he can you know contribute on the offensive end. Um, I like the Marlins to definitely beat that seventy one and a half win marker. Um, I think that's way too low for them. I, I, I foresee them at least being closer to 500, if not above 500. Um, but I think the rest of this division is also really interesting. You've got, you know, the Nats. They're going to beat each other up. There's, there's some, they're, they're all on a pretty level playing field. Yeah. So, like, the Mets are at 95 and a half wins, and I do not, I think that's high. Um, the Mets have had some injury issues. They're, continue, they're going to continue to have injury issues. And, like you said, I think that division beats each other up. 90, 95 is too many wins for me. Uh, so I, I don't like the Mets there at that number. I would take the under on that if you're the gambling person. And um, I like the Marlins on the over for the gambling aspect of that, uh, the 71 and a half marker there. So I but, think Marte's an interesting guy from a fantasy baseball standpoint. A lot of the fantasy players and, and rankings have are really up on him. Um, I've seen him, his ADP keeps climbing and climbing. Uh, I had a draft last night and he went like, I think he went like the sixties, which was just I'm surprised. I, I just don't know that there's a lot of protection around him in that, in that lineup. Um, I mean, there, there there's some guys like, uh, Jesus Aguilar can, can hit, but he's an up and down player. Um, Brian Anderson is very consistent. You've got jazz Chisholm who, you know, Marte may help out and, um, and making his stock raise a little bit there. They do have Adam Duvall. I like that signing for them. And they have uh, Corey, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Dickerson? Yeah, Dickerson. Big uh, big, big swinging Dickerson over there. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I mean, the, the lineup's interesting, and it, it's, uh, it's okay. Um, but I think that their pitching is going to be a little bit better this year. I, I do like some of the moves that they made in terms of shoring up that bullpen. Yeah. And, they, and they have a bunch of young pitchers that are, that are developing. Yeah, I think Sixto Sanchez is really interesting uh, from a young guy standpoint. Him and, and JJ Bleday are, say, are the two guys I think you know one hitter, one pitcher. I'm kind of big on from a young guy standpoint. Yeah, but but who do you see winning the division, Derek? It's tough. It really is because the, the Mets. I mean, you know, you know, Degrom's gonna go out and do his thing. Uh, the rest of that rotation has some question marks. Lucchese coming over. I like what he can do from a tool set standpoint, but he hasn't put it together. Uh, Jimenez is is a really solid guy. I just. Trevor Mays is a guy, solid, you know, good K per nine guy, but he gets in some trouble. He's going up a home run ball. Uh, Lindor coming over is a huge move for them. Let's see if they can get him signed and, and you know, under contract. Um, but I, I still, my gut just says Atlanta. I, I think they have everything in place. They have a, a really solid team. Okuna is, is really solid. They bring back Ozuna. Uh, I like Smiley and Morton to shore up that bullpen. Pitching was a huge problem. And Melanson's a really good bullpen arm. I think they're still a little short on the bullpen well, they, side they of actually, things. They actually lost Melanson. Oh, sorry, they lost Melanson. Sorry, so they're extra short on the bullpen side of things. Yeah, um, that's the one thing that I am worried about with them. Is is do they can they keep those leads late into the game? And I think this division, you know, really beats each other up. I don't see Philadelphia doing much. I just don't. I think Rilamuto is is on his way out. I think Harper's going to 
obviously be Harper, but outside of that, there's a lot of question marks. Is Alec Bohm going to be enough? Um, that pitching staff has a lot of question marks in it. I, I like Zach Eflin, but that's about it. Um, I don't know. What do, you, yeah. what do you think about the rest of the division? I, I think Philadelphia's uh, pitching, I think you nail it on that, is, is very questionable. They did uh, bring in uh, Dom, uh, Dombrowski, to, uh, and he's a very aggressive GM or president or whatever, whenever, whatever role he's going to be in. Um, he did get some good bullpen arms in Archie Bradley and Jose Alvarado and Kinsler, so that should help. Their bullpen was really bad last year, but they don't have enough starting pitching, in my opinion. Um, in terms of the Mets, the Mets and Braves are definitely fighting it out for the top spot, in my opinion. It's going to come down to, I think that's going to come down real close. Um, but I do like the Braves starters. I think that their bullpen, as you mentioned, can be a little bit questionable at times. Um, and I also think that the Braves lack a little bit of depth. Uh, if they were to suffer a big injury or you know a s- somewhat significant injury to their offense, that they don't have the depth to do it, whereas the Mets have done a better job of building some of that depth in there. Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, I'm just curious to see how they handle their outfield. Because obviously, you know, Ozuna needs his at-bats. He's going to play, but he's such a liability in, in the field. And they have, you know, Christian Pache, who is the opposite. He, his, mm-hmm. his bat hasn't come along yet, but I mean, he might play gold glove center field. Yeah. I mean, I think when they signed Azuna, they were like, all right, we're going to stick him in left this year. And then hopefully we get that DH next year. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but they do have uh, Ronald Acuna jr. Who I, I know drew is a huge fan of, um, right. He's, he's just a stud. So he, he's capable of having that MVP caliber season any year. And they have Freddie Freeman, who is an MVP, who is the MVP last year. So, mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, and um, you want to talk about great ballparks, Atlanta, absolutely stellar place to see a game. Um, a storyline I'm interested in watching all year, uh, obviously one of the biggest stories of the offseason was um, Trevor Bauer going to the Mets and then uh, not going to the Mets and then going to the Dodgers and then getting in all these public feuds with with Mets fans and obviously Noah Syndergaard. Um, that's going to be really interesting to watch unfold this year. I've been saying it for a really long time. Uh, baseball needs better personalities and for better or worse, Trevor Bauer has become this ultimate evil, uh, this kind of just evil character, uh, in, in the narrative that everyone wants to see fail or everyone wants to see succeed. Uh, but if they match up against the Mets, let's say in the playoffs, that is just going to be absolutely huge. Uh, Must-watch baseball, especially if Syndergaard somehow ends up going against Bauer. Be unreal. Yeah, he's, he's, he's very polarizing, isn't he? I, I like him. I think he's pretty entertaining, uh, even as someone who, who who's a Mets fan. Um, <clears throat> I like him a lot. And then yeah. for some reason, like one, since he's been in L.A., I don't know if he's like taking it to another level or if there, there's been a lot of just like, unneeded shots he's taking now. And it's like, I get it. Like back, you know, you were fun and interesting when it was like free agency. It's like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And now he's just like taking shots at people left and right for, it just seems like no reason, like punching down a little bit, which I think makes you look like a dick once you start punching down. Um, And then there's like a weird, his agent, he's dating his agent. And then like, there's a lot of weird dynamic as far as like, Oh, what's that? Is he really dating her? Yes. Well, they wow. were they've been dating since college. Um, yeah, and then he let her be his agent. Essentially, is what happened. Mm. Yeah, and then and then I don't know. She's taking some like victory laps trying to dunk on people, and everybody's like, "Right, but like you were given that job." Right. So it's it, that's a really weird dynamic too. Is like 
her trying to take victory laps and dunk on people for no reason. She's doing a lot of punching down too. <laughs> it can go well, two ways. She's being criticized a lot, so she's kind of defending herself, and maybe that's why she's taking the victory lap to be like, "Yes, look what I actually did." Mm-hmm. Because people have criticized her for one, obviously, the fact that they are dating, and then two, being a woman in this industry, which is a very male centric. Yeah, no, I, I, I think for both of them, I think a lot of it, like in the beginning, completely behind them. I, I thought how she was being treated initially completely unfair, and then for some reason, they both seem to just like. Just take that one step over and it's like, okay, it's it's old now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's a hot topic. And of course, that means ESPN is going to cover it and play the shit out of it. For sure. Yeah. I mean, Trevor Bauer, it's it's he's putting a lot of pressure on himself, um, especially in a sport where you're standing on literally a mound of sand, where you're standing above everybody. So everybody's just staring at you, thinking about your tweets from that week. He, it can go one of two ways. He can play lights out like he did last year. I mean, he was fucking lights out. He had two unhittable just pitches last year. Um, if he plays that good this year in a huge city like that while running his mouth, more power to him. But it could go one of two ways. He, he could either back it up or he could just fall. And I'm going to be there for both of those. <laughs> I want to <laughs> see either scenario because both are intriguing to me. So I, I, sure. I think it's going to be really it's interesting. And Syndergaard, man, Syndergaard is... He's quick on Twitter, man. He's, he's he's also really good on social media. I almost think he needs to be almost a little bit more outspoken. But for him, I think he just kind of needs to get healthy and stay on the mound so that he can kind of talk as much as he plays. But, yeah, those feuds have been great. Must, must watch Twitter. Reply. I, I love just seeing a Dirty Laundry just air themselves out like that in front of everybody. Beautiful. There was there was one last. I think it was like two nights ago. Uh, it was a fake Cinderguard account where they do like the little seven in the circle that makes it look like a check mark when you look real quick. Yeah. Um. Just, just hilarious stuff. And at first, it's like, oh my god, like this thing is bubbling up again. And then I like, you know, took two seconds. Like, oh shit, like it's just a fake account. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Right, oh, but some people were like angrily replying like, oh, this is trash. Da, da, da. Why would you do this? You need to focus on like you're arguing with like some random dude in like Kansas. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's move to the middle of the country. Um, both sides of the, the dime seem to be very shitty uh, divisions, both the AL Central and the NL Central. Uh, but let's start with the AL Central. Uh, according to Vegas, the White Sox take it. And then Minnesota is going to be coming up the rear. Uh, we know one thing. If Minnesota makes the playoffs, they're not going to win a game. Uh, but what, what do you guys think about this division and who takes it? Yeah, actually, no, they have um, Minnesota as the favorite um, at plus 135. So you have to pay 135 to get 100. But um, and, and they were good last year. I think no. that they lost no, the a little white, bit too the much. White, the White Sox are the favorite, according to Vegas. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, two extra wins. Yep. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and then, so I mean, I like what the White Sox did with getting Lance Lynn. I think that's an important move for them. Their pitching is starting to develop with Giolito, and they brought in Keuchel. So I think it's getting a little bit better. They do get hurt by this Eloy Jimenez injury. Did you see it? He like reached his arm over the wall and like <laughs> tore his pec muscle. So he's going to be out. They expect at least four months. Uh, that sounds incredibly painful. Um, they do lose um, Colome, but they bring in uh, Liam Hendricks, who was really good last year for um, for the um, the A's. 
So I, I like what the White Sox have done. I think that they have a lot of really good young players that are developing. And uh, I do think that they have a really good chance to win this division. But I, I would not count Minnesota out in any way, shape, or form. That that team is also really good. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. My my thing is, is I don't understand why Eloy is still playing defense. He's not a good left fielder. They they have him out there like you have a DH. I don't I don't understand why you don't use the DH spot for a guy who doesn't play the field well. And this is the third time he's hurt himself pretty seriously playing defense. Yeah. Um, so I th- and, a, I and that this- ball that he goes to catch is a good fifteen feet over the wall. Like he had he had yeah. no chance of that ball. Yeah, I think he he has been the one who's who's been adamant about wanting to stay playing defense. But at some point, the White Sox are going to protect the investment and just say no more. Um, which may may have already happened. That that may have been his last uh, his last defensive inning if they can help it. Um, I do like the Andrelton Simmons signing for Minnesota. I think that really improves their defense. Um, and and he's you know he can he can bring a little bit with the stick as like a contact hitter. Um, so I think that's a that, that's the battle really between in that division is going to be the two of them. The only chance that Cleveland has is if their pitching just continues to be as awesome as it has been lately, though. I think my favorite single move in that whole div- in that whole division is, is uh, Benny Biceps getting another try in, in Kansas City. Um, we're seeing a lot of the report now. What Alex Cora said, you know, last year he came back or two years ago he came back and he was like too muscular. He put on too much muscle in the offseason and it like changed his swing, um, made him really just tight, and, and he couldn't get to a lot of pitches he, he wanted to he wanted to before. And they're basically, we don't care if you hit 30 home runs, if you're hitting 230, like that's not what we want from you. Right. Uh, so you heard him on the, on the bases as well. He came back last year and they said he was a little bit more in the right baseball shape, but then he got hurt uh, and it was a shortened season and he didn't really play. So I'm excited to see him get another, another shot, especially out of like a big city. I think Kansas city is a really good spot. He's going to go, he's going to play every day. He's not, you know, there's no competition, you know, nobody bringing it down his neck for that outfield spot. So I'm, I'm curious to see if he bounces back because he looked like he's going to be one of the, you know, kind of young stars in the league as far as how he broke out. He broke out really hot. Yeah, uh, I know Drew Drew liked Benintendi uh, in fantasy for a few years there, um, and then he did take that plummet down there. Um, I do like that 74.5 number. I like the over on that. I think that they can beat that pretty, pretty well. Um, their pitching is still the biggest question mark in my opinion. But I, I do like the, the you know the core of hitters that they've got with Carlos Santana coming in there, really going to actually bring up some on base percentage, which is something that they've not really had a lot of uh, out of their hitting uh, lately. So uh, I think that there's definitely some potential in there, and I expect them to beat that seventy four and a half. That's the bet I like the most in that division of the total, the win totals. They got a couple of young guys I like too. Uh, I think Brady Singer. I think he went to Florida, right? Brady Singer. Yeah, there's a lot of Florida pitchers in, oh, yeah. in the major leagues and then, right now. And then uh, I think John Stamat is the other one I like a lot. I, I think you know a couple of young guys, one in the bullpen, one in the starting rotation. So th- that's going to be the question mark. If both of those guys hit, they might have something. They might make a run at 80 wins. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you think about the Indians losing Carrasco and losing Lindor? I think those are two really big losses, and I don't think they did enough to address it. Um, I I don't the Cleveland just seems adverse to spending money, so you know I, I think you you see them kind of regress back. Yeah, they're going to have actually one of the lower pay, payrolls in the league, and that's uh, crazy to me. It's also really weird seeing Carlos Santana not in an Indians uniform. I'm not. I don't know if I'm fully ready for that one. Well, Cleveland yeah. is a football <laughs> town now, folks. Yeah, true. 
True. Uh, there, you know, I I love impressive streaks. Uh, you know, that and maybe one of the most impressively bad streaks in sports history is the Minnesota Twins has now it's now been six thousand twenty one days since their last playoff lot win. They have lost eighteen. 18 playoff games in a row. Just try to put that together in your head. Think about how long a playoff series even is. Think about how many times they've actually made it and then literally not even won a single game. Um, That is truly a cursed franchise right now. To see them at number two... Um, I know that obviously being a Vikings fan, uh, there's a lot of stress coming out of that organization. Um, is there any light at the end of the tunnel for them? Are they going to, are they going to, do they get their first playoff win this year? It's, it's hard to say they do. <laughs> um, they've, they've had a lot of misfortune as far as, you know, lining up with like the Yankees in the first round. I know the Yankees have, have booted them uh, on a regular basis, but I just, I don't, I mean, maybe they won't make the playoffs. And they don't have to worry about it. Honestly, as a fan, especially with how exhausting the regular season is, it's almost more merciful to just not make the playoffs. To make it that many times and be punted out in the first round every single time without even a win. It's not even like they they have like the Vikings where they give you a little bit of hope that they're going to win. No, just straight up don't even win a game to get swept in every series. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why they went out and got a guy like Colome. Um, to actually stamp down that he's been a really effective closer for the last you know five plus years whatever um, and they didn't really have that last year they had a couple guys in there that you couldn't really trust so they go get him and I think that's that's one of their major acquisitions to try to assist, um, address that issue all right so over to the NL uh, this I mean just straight up uh, appears to be one of the worst divisions in all of baseball um, and man with Pittsburgh sitting at the bottom, I mean, they have probably the worst average in terms of wins uh, for, for Vegas across the board. Um, is St. Louis just going to run away with this thing in the NL Central? I think they they will, but they're not. I still don't think they're a good team. Um, I, I'm not that big on St. Louis. I mean, obviously, Arenado is a big grab, but Goldschmidt is, is old. Um, I don't know. From an overall standpoint, their pitching staff is not impressive. I think they're going to win pretty handedly, but that's going to be at the expense of uh, the Cubs and, and Pirates. Yeah, I actually kind of like the Cubs' odds here, plus four seventy-five to like win the division. I think I might throw a little bit of money. Like that's a that's a bet I could throw some money on because the Cubs are a team that will sometimes be aggressive in trying to go get a pitcher if they need one come the second half. And their lineup is still good, right? If we look at the Cubs lineup, they still have a bunch of really good hitters. Um, they do lose some of their key pitchers, but they bring in some other guys that maybe don't have the name recognition of, you know, Lester and Quintana and stuff like that, but um, but may actually be a little bit more effective in Zach Davies. He's, he was really good last year. Um, so I like the Cubs to actually outperform that 78 and a half. I don't know that they're going to win the division, but it's worth throwing a little bit of flyer money on there and get getting some of that plus 475 action. Um, I still think that, you know, St. Louis is the team to beat, but um, this is a division that, you know, for the most part, you got a bunch of teams hovering around 500 and the Pirates. I, I, I honestly, like, I look at that number and I'm tempted to say under. Like, I don't even with, know if they get with, to 59. The, the Pirates? Yeah. yeah, I mean, 
our, our buddy Brandon Brister has said that he's going to bet against the Pirates in every single game this year. Um, and he he threw out a number like 50 wins, which is probably too low. But 59 and a half, that's, that's I don't know, it, it, it's pretty questionable. They could get there. Yeah, and I think Cabrian Hayes is the only thing they have going for them as an organization, like legitimately. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they traded Josh Bell. They traded Jamison Tyone. They traded Joe Musgrove. They lose Chris Archer. They lose Ke- they lose Keona Kella. They lose um, Trevor Williams. Like, what are they going to do on the pitching end? It, it, and then their hitters. There's no one. There's no one right to write home about except for Hayes there. Yeah, I mean, it's to the situation. It's to the point now. It's like everybody make make sure you stay near your phone because you might get called up to pitch for the Pirates sometime this year. <laughs> Trevor Bauer makes I, more than their entire organization. I, yeah. I, I could give him an inning or two. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. They need some innings eaters. I think I think you got a job over there. <laughs> All right, let's move out of the boring central uh, to another. Uh, pretty boring division, uh, but at least it's going to be a pretty good battle for the top at the AL West. Uh, they have Houston as tied with the A's um, in terms of the odds for to win the division. However, Houston does have a slight edge uh, for o- the over-under on wins, uh, but it does look like a pretty close matchup. Is, is there any possibility? Obviously, I look at Oakland and Houston battling it out for the top according to Vegas, but when the fuck are the Angels going to do something and actually become a team? That's the real question, right? This is a team that, you know, has had the best player in baseball for a long time in Mike Trout. And don't get me wrong. There's anybody who thinks that Mike Trout is not the best player in baseball. You're tripping balls because he's absolutely tremendous. He may go down as the best player of all time. Um, it, it, eh, he may fade a little bit before he gets there, but he's he, he's on that track. He's already he's 30. He just turned 30. He was already qualified to be a Hall of Famer, and if you put his statistics up with everyone else, like in that Hall of Fame conversation, he's worthy of like the top of the top of the charts there already. So um, they. But do- the rest of his team is so bad that yeah. he, being an all-time player, was still ranked like the seventh best fantasy player this year, just because there's nothing around him. Yeah, um, it's like he, it's him and Anthony Rendon, and he, he that's also about is. It. He also has stopped running, so that that's taken away from him a little bit mm-hmm. at the top. Whereas you look at a lot of the top fantasy guys, they all do contribute something in that runs aspect, uh, the, you know, steals aspect. Yep. Whereas Trout is a huge on base guy, huge homers guy, and can give you four categories, but he's kind of stopped running. Um, but let's look at some of the moves that they did do. They bring in Rysel Iglesias to give him an actual closer, something they didn't have last year. They bring in Alex Cobb, Jose Quintana. Um, as potential, you know, boons to their pitching staff. They're kind of buying low. And Joe Madden obviously is familiar with Alex Cobb from his time with the Rays. I like those. I think that those those guys will play their stuff will play up better in a ballpark like uh like Anaheim has there because it is a little bit more um outfield friendly for the pitchers and not quite as many homers flying out. Um so I think that, that that'll help them a little bit, but their their hopes, I think, is essentially are going to rest on a guy like uh, Shohei Otani, if he can actually bring it with the you know on the pitching end and and develop into what they think he could be, then that could really shift the tide in this division. Yeah, I mean, they might be able to make a run, but I just I, I like Otani. I think he left the game his last start with a blister. They just need to figure out what they're going to do with him and commit to it. Um, I think the best thing for him is probably DHing every game and throwing 50 innings out of the bullpen. 
I still think you get plenty of value from him that way. I just I just don't know if he's a starting pitcher, and we haven't seen anybody make the starting pitcher and take at bats in between thing work. Yeah, like even you look at the other two way players like Brandon McKay for the Rays. He's more of a pitcher than he is a hitter. I don't know mm-hmm. how many at bats he's actually going to get at the pro level. Um, I, I just I don't like in a team that has so much pro- so much problem with offense taking that bat out of the lineup more than you have to. Yeah, that's fair. Um, what do you actually like in this division? Who do you think wins it? Um, I mean, for whatever reason, Houston has like taken this mantle of like this us against the world, and they think that they're like victims somehow. They play together really tight. Um, I, I Oakland just always seems to underperform. They just don't seem like they seem like they're right there on the edge, but they just don't go over the top. And I don't really love their pitching. Um, I, I don't think we've seen enough out of AJ Puck or Jesus Lazardo to say, yep, they're going to be solid middle of the rotation guys. Uh, so I think you still give a small edge to, to Houston to win that division. Seattle's kind of a shit show. Um, you know, obviously they, they just lose one of their executives to the whole service time manipulation thing. When are we going to see uh, clinic? When are we going to, you know, is, is Kyle Lewis going to be Kyle Lewis to kind of burst on the scene last year, or is he going to regress a little bit? Mm-hmm. Numbers and history say he's probably going to regress a little bit. So I don't know that I, I like them to really threaten anybody. And, and Texas is, is fucking atrocious. Yeah. Texas is is not going to be very good. They're they're they don't have the pitching. I don't think um, they they got a couple of young flyers in Dane Dunning and Mike Fultonevich, but um, uh, they're going to struggle with that end of it. I think um, I kind of like Seattle to outperform seventy two and a half wins though. Um, I, I think that, yeah. I, I think if their roster is good enough, I do really like James Paxton as an addition for them. Um, he he's had some pretty good stuff, and I think playing back in Seattle will, will be a benefit to him. Um, so I, I do like him to beat that number, 72 and a half. That seems a little low for me. I am the opposite in terms of where I see this division going. I think this is Oakland's division to lose. Um, I really do like the pitching that they have. I also like the moves that they did to address the bullpen, bringing in a couple more extra guys. Um, I think Elvis Andrews is you know an adequate replacement for Marcus Simeon. Maybe not 100% of it, but 95% probably. Um and I, I just think I think Oakland is a team that they understand what they are, and they have a really good you know uh, front office and and management, and they and they get the most out of them. Um, and I think that this is finally the year that we see a little bit of step forward for Jesus Lazardo and AJ Puck. Okay. Now, most important thing in this division, do you think Joey Gallo has more home runs and singles and keeps that ratio? I hope so because I got him on my roster. I hope he hits like fifty. <laughs> is is Albert Pujols' contract? Is that the worst contract of all time? Um, I'm I'm looking at his stats since leaving St. Louis. His his final year in St. Louis, he hit was his final year hitting over a 900 OPS. He hit 800 exactly one year in the with the Angels. Since then, he's been a mid 700 player, uh, making. What is he? What does he make? Thirty million a year? Still, is, is he a case study for you know? You look at all these um, ridiculous contracts that they're handing out with with Trout, um, obviously uh, uh, Tatis, and uh, these guys are going to be making this money till they're forty. Well, Pujols is forty one. How much does this organization cringe every time this guy is, shows up? Is Pujols forty one? Yeah. So the interesting wrinkle about this is he might not be forty one. Yeah, um, he, be he might be four. He might be forty four. Yeah, 
So there's there's a lot of you know they've worked backwards from from interviews with him and he, him talking about playing and coming up and and playing in the same league as Miguel Tejada and like working backwards from that. It's almost certain he's 44. So looking back on that, if it, you know hindsight, do they sign a guy through age 45? No fucking chance. I don't think it, it's definitely a really bad contract, but I don't think it's quite as bad because I don't think the bill of goods that they got is is what they thought they were getting. Like, Pools is 44. He just well, is. Well, how about Chris Davis's contract for the Orioles? That is tremendous. Well, tremendously bad because that guy gives you negative value every year. He's He had one okay season since he signed that extension and it's been atrocious. Since. And it's such, such a bad deal that like they are keeping him up. He's not a major league baseball player anymore and they have to keep him up because it's saving them money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and obviously so he just sits on the end of the bench all game because it saves him money. Well, and Davis Davis obviously didn't have the career. Pujols was a Hall of Famer before he even stepped foot in L.A. Howard um, Pujols yeah. is like that ten year stint is one of the best in the history of the game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he he was unfucking believable, but he has not had a three fifty uh, OBP season his entire tenure with the Angels. It is so fucking bad this guy he's literally never performed for his contract he, he just he just overnight couldn't run yep exactly like the, he, yeah. he, they, he, had a, yeah, he had a sharp bad. hit ball but they, he had a sharp hit ball to left field and he gets thrown out at first base i mean yeah bad plantar fasciitis he he's he's basically immobile um yeah. and honestly i would have liked to have seen him retire a couple years ago um i see that i know he's got some some records that he could still get to and landmarks and stuff like that but it's just unnecessary i think it's actually killing um it's hurting his legacy you know his hall of fame credentials that more so than it's helping yeah so his batting um, average was uh i mean historically high like not not even just like his o- ops or anything like that which is always good his batting average going into la was like 330 plus he just last year, he's just been grinding out these terrible seasons, has dropped below 300, which if, if for me, this guy's clearly playing for the money. It's 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 weird and sad to see. Uh, this guy should have retired yeah. two years ago and, and gone out, you know, at least slightly on top. He's, last year, he's a 665 hitter. I mean, this guy is, yeah. is borderline replaceable, barely hitting above the Mendoza line at this point. And, and he's not an everyday player anymore. They, they said that they are not going to play him every day, so... Yep. But, that's right. the. I mean, that puts another wrinkle in the Shohei Otani thing. It's like, do you? I mean, he, he's almost delegate relegated to being only a DH, and, and do you want to burn that spot and not let Otani hit? Who, oh by the way, hits seven home runs in spring training. <laughs> yeah, no. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he he's he's not going to play very much this year. He's going to be mostly a pinch hitter. Yeah. All right, well, let's go to the NL West. Obviously, one of the most interesting uh, divisions in baseball because it's so ridiculously top-heavy. You got the Dodgers and the Padres We're essentially in an arms race at this point to see who can spend the most. Um, obviously, you know, San Diego is making some really interesting pickups, but I mean, the Dodgers might conceivably have the greatest uh, roster of all time at this point. Uh arguably the best rotation of all time. I mean, they, they literally have no weaknesses, top to bottom. And then they bring in Douche McDouchen's Trevor Bauer, uh, which is just going to make this rivalry between them and San Diego. I mean, San Diego's got some spicy personalities too with Machado. I mean, we could see a lot of fights between these guys, but it's clearly going to be a, a, a battle between them for top of the division. Uh, who do you guys see taking it? 
Um, I mean, it, it's not outside of the realm of possibility that San Diego gets hot or L.A. suffers a lot of injuries. I think Cody Bellinger is, is a pretty good candidate for a little bit of a regression this year. Um, I have a lot of people, you know, playing fantasy who, who think that he's gonna, not, you know, he's gonna slide back a little bit. Um, but to me, the difference is is the bottom third of the lineup. L.A. just deep one through nine, and San Diego kind of falls off once you get through that six seven spot. Uh, so I think that's to me is the difference. Also, the starting pitching. I think the bullpens are pretty comparable. Starting pitching, the Dodgers legitimately have seven guys that would be in a starting rotation pretty much anywhere else in the league. Um, and then you have San Diego, who their top guys are, are question marks. Blake Snell, not a consistent guy. You know, they make a lot of. He makes a big deal about you know not being able to go late into games. But this is a guy who's never been a big quality start guy. He. It's not like the, the the organization wasn't letting him go into the six. It's just you're not going to let him throw 125 pitches to finish the sixth inning. He just he's not an efficient pitcher at all. Uh, but you Darvish, you know, he back half of the season looks like he could have won the Cy Young. Should probably some people think should have won the Cy Young. Has 11 pitches he throws effectively, and really you're seeing you know different personalities emerge. You talk about social media and and, and how these guys need to do more to brand themselves. You Darvish is fucking hilarious. Most of it he does, you know, in his native language. And you have to, you know, the translate button on Twitter. But he interacts a lot. I don't know if you guys are familiar on Twitter with Pitching Ninja, Rob Friedman, yeah. amazing account. It's 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 baseball porn. It's the guy yeah. who is dedicated to pitching, loves pitching, every little element. He does overlays. He, he's really blown up to the point where he's getting a lot of like interview time. He's been on with Amir Garrett a lot. Um, you know, he talks to these guys, uh, Lucas Giolito, some guys he's really tight with, and you Darvish is one of those guys. And he'll get on like with a translator, and they'll talk back and forth. You will answer when he can in English; otherwise, he goes through the translator. Fucking hilarious guy. Um, yeah, Darvish has been excellent. I think that 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 could, you know, the the Padres were super aggressive. Um, and so you say what they will, what you will about, um, you know, any GM who's going to be like that. But they are not afraid. They had one of the best bullpen or one of the best uh, minor league systems in all of baseball, and they've traded away a lot of those guys because they're like, we're we're going for it. You know, we're going to go get Blake Snell. We're going to go get you Darvish. We're going to go get Joe Musgrove. Um, and it is an arms race, and I think it's good for baseball when you have two teams like that really fighting it out. Um, Especially in a non-traditional market. Not, yeah. not. I mean, they have a pr- proud history with Gwynn, but they're not in L.A., New York, Boston. Right, absolutely. But Fernando Tatis, is, he is an electrically fun to watch. You've got Machado, you've got Hosmer, you know, you've got Jake Cronenworth comes over from the Rays and has a really good season for them and is probably going to play a lot of second base. They sign um, the guy internationally, Kim, who's, you know, can play some of that middle infield and stuff and gives them some depth there, which I really like. Um, I think if the Dodgers have a weakness, it might be their bullpen. I do like San Diego's bullpen a little bit better with a guy like Melanson um, and, you know, Pagan and stuff like that. They have some other extra pieces. Um, whereas the Dodgers didn't do a whole lot in free agency. They did bring in Tommy Conley and Brandon Kinsler or uh, Corey Knievel rather. Um, and then obviously Jake Bauer is the big move. So is it possible that the Potter, the uh, the Dodgers just stand pat too much, and that it, and that maybe winds up winds up doing them in? Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is they have these guys who are future starters that they don't want to give up, but at the same time they're not going to force Clayton Kershaw out. Kershaw's getting towards the end of his rope, 
and, and so you know, Dustin, Dust, Dustin May will slot in there or, or, you know, Tony Gonsolin will slot in there and they just, they're not willing to move those starters to go get actual relievers. So now they're using these starters as relievers. Is it stunting their growth? Is it hurting their development? Or, I mean, it's just not the same mentality. Some guys are starting yeah. pitchers and some guys are relievers. It's, it's not a lot of guys are good at both. I mean, well, Mario well, Rivera they- was supposed to be a starting pitcher. Yeah, well, he's supposed to be an infielder first. But right. uh, so, so, I mean, so if you look at what they do, though, from, from a perspective, if you, the Dodgers, it's very raise like right? They have a bunch of guys. They are pre- prepared to use a lot of these guys. Um, and I, I think that there's there's no there's no um, secret to know that, you know, Andrew Friedman came over from the Rays. So having shared thinking in that respect is not surprising, in my is my opinion. Um but yet, uh, I think at some point, you know, uh, I, th- I still think Clayton Kershaw is really good and he's going to be effective um, this year. Uh, at least I hope so, because I do have him in fantasy for any of you that want to play. He does go a little bit later than he probably should. Um, is there any other fantasy targets that you saw in this division? I mean, I like Darvish. I still think Machado is underrated just because he's not a likable guy. I think a lot of people don't want him. I don't want him on my team or this or whatever. He gets kind of a negative stigma. People don't really appreciate his talent because he's not a, he's just, he's a D bag. Like there's no way around it. He's not, he's not a good dude. He's a fucking phenomenal baseball player. Um, So he's a guy that I like. Um, I wouldn't even mind like a, like a Trent Grisham or a uh, what's his face that came over from the Rays, uh, Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham. There's some, you know, some fringe outfielders in San Diego. I wouldn't mind. Uh, or even like Ryan McMahon in Colorado, like he's going to get his swings. Uh, or what are the the first baseman CJ Crone? I think yeah. he's going to. I think he's going to launch fifty balls out. Of, of course. Yeah, I, I do really like the CJ Crone pickup for Colorado. Um, but just what an awfully ran organization, right? Terrible. Like we're going to trade you our best player, maybe in franchise history. And give you fifty million dollars for it, and we're not that's even going to get back. The thing is, like, we were and getting we're rid getting, of him to dump salary, but then like we're still going to pay his salary, <laughs> and and we're not even getting back any good prospects. Like no. the best prospect that they got back is like Austin Gomber, who's going to pitch for them this year, but it's not like he was not like a top hundred prospect for. You got, I mean, you got to at least like bring back Libertor or somebody like that, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, Libertor would have been would have would have been a much better than than Gomber, in my opinion. I don't know what Colorado's doing. They don't seem to have a plan. Uh, Trevor's story is probably on his way out. They do have a lot of interesting prospects for fantasy. Um, Rymel Tapia, uh, Hilliard, you know, th- these are some guys that just because they're going to get playing time, Garrett Hampson yeah. uh, can steal some bases, and and that that's useful in fantasy, um, especially playing in a place like Colorado where there's, you know, high batting averages are going to come just based on the nature of playing there. Um, what about Arizona? they've been just a really lackluster performance in the off season for a team. I don't know what their plan is either. Yeah. You'd like to see a team like that. I mean, as much as I fault Colorado for being poorly run and they didn't get anything in return, they they started with the right kind of mindset. Like you're not going to compete right now. You're not going to beat LA or San Diego. So acquire some assets. Um, there, there was a period where the Rays weren't very competitive, and they acquired a ton of assets, and they built a farm system, and it, it was a t- you know eight year plan, but they built the team the right way. Um, Miami's doing the same thing right now. They they weren't ready to compete. They got rid of a bunch of guys. Arizona's just like kind of staying pat and like letting everything just atrophy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. What do you have any uh, West Coast uh, thoughts over there, Drew? Um, I, I think it's incredible, you know, the, the, 
besides the Dodgers, there isn't a single team that's even close to 100 wins. Um, and as good as San Diego is, it's just it's, it's so interesting to see the Dodgers clearing them by a full eight games. Um, yeah. I mean, this Dodgers team, it's just like a lot of their teams from, from the past, they're going to have a lot of pressure on them. And I just do not understand the Trevor Bauer signing for them. Uh, it, it takes an organization that already has so much pressure on them and it gets a guy who, you know, once took the ball and threw it into the outfield when the pitcher was trying to take him out. I mean, you get, you, you bring up a, a wild card into a team that just won the World Series. I don't really understand their thought process there. Um, other than if just, I'm in them in the same situation, I go after, like, you don't need a, a seventh starting pitcher. <laughs> They should have been all in on like an Arenado, or they should have been, you know, somewhere yeah. they can get better at a position. Justin Turner, I yeah. know he's a fan favorite, but like he he's he's declining. So so rumor has it that they they did push for Arenado, but the Colorado Rockies refused to trade him in division because they didn't want to have to deal with that. And so they took a worse offer for it. And that goes back to the just being a really poorly run organization. Why do teams do that? And it's in every sport, but teams will take less of a return to not play a guy I, I, or, or move him in division. Like I just, is it a pride thing? For the owners of Colorado, apparently. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I know the, the, the Redskins have done it a couple times. Notably, they, they've traded guys for you know a, a diminished return just because they don't want to trade a guy to New York or they don't want to trade a guy to Philadelphia. It's like get the fuck over it, take the best deal. You know, say yeah. what you want about the West. Uh, they those rivalries are hot, man. Um, the, the the Dodgers San Diego rivalry is pretty intense. Uh, go go on some Reddit story boards or uh, 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 subreddits um, within that division. Like the, those those guys go after it, man. And, you know, the, the, the Padres have always been kind of this redheaded stepchild. And speaking of redheads, uh, Dustin May looks a lot like Caratop's balls. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, man. It's, but yeah, it's, it, it, it's an interesting division because L.A. has been at the top of it. They spent a ton of money, but it hasn't equaled a lot of success. These are and all, then you get, besides the that? Padres, besides the Padres, these are all really storied franchises, right? I mean, you got the, yeah. the Giants with all their success for the last 20 years. Um, Colorado's obviously, you know, pretty up and down, but Arizona winning World Series in the last, you know, two decades. Um, it's 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 an interesting franchise that doesn't get as much love, but I'm telling you, when I when I lived out there, I lived in both Phoenix uh, with the Diamondbacks and in L.A. With, with the Dodgers, and they love their baseball, man, and they, they, they show up. Uh, not so, not so, so much as Colorado, Diego, man. Yeah, Colorado loves their baseball. Of course, like, downtown Denver is gorgeous. It's really nice to go to a game um, in Colorado. It's right Plus, in the you've got of all of the breweries. Yeah, like right, right around was, there. The I was gonna say you want to talk about nice ballparks. Like that's like a top three ballpark that I've been to. I love I love Coors. Yep. And then yeah. when you when you go to Phoenix, uh, if 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 you're a fan of any of these teams. You can go to Phoenix and literally go to any of these teams all within like a 10 mile stretch. It's, it's really unbelievable. They, uh, I, baseball out West just hits a little bit differently. Um, it's, it's fun as fuck to go to a game out there, especially, especially the Rocky stadium, especially the Dodgers stadium. I've heard San Diego is, it's, it's one of these places that they can't get people in the stadium. Cause it's so fucking nice there that like, that's like the last thing on your mind is going to a baseball game. It's That's just funny. Like, I mean, San Francisco is a beautiful stadium too, and talk about good weather. The weather in San Francisco is, I mean, right in the thick of things. This is about to turn into a, a meteorology pod, but yeah, <laughs> it's so nice. <laughs> to be honest, uh, I have been to every single stadium except for the Padres, and they are all exceptional. 
yeah it's yeah. it's a fucking great division but uh yeah it's 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 probably it's by far the most interesting story for me in baseball just gonna be watching that arms race between the two of them and does san diego you know try to make a move in season and try to acquire somebody else when they realize they're not as good as the dodgers it'll be interesting to see how much they're going to put in they're already spending 800 million dollars on their infield 800 million dollars on what four guys that's fucking ridiculous Okay, so let's get some picks before we get out of here. Um, wh- what do you guys think happens in terms of winning winning divisions in the playoffs and the the um, getting to the World Series and winning the World Series? I don't know about divisions. I don't know if I'm going to go through division by division, but I will say <clears throat> I think the two championship series are L.A. and Atlanta versus... I'm going to say, we'll just say the Yankees are healthy. I'll, I'll go the Yankees and the White Sox. Okay, that's interesting um, and, and could be a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to take, I'm going to take the Dodgers and Padres. Actually, no. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to take Dodgers and Padres in the, um, in, in the ALCS, that's I think, what we deserve. Uh, I, I think the the Mets um, are going to be one of the teams that make it there, uh, and I would love to see the Mets match up with either the Padres or um, or the Dodgers uh, in the playoffs. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm going to go with the Cardinals for now. Uh, I do like the White Sox picking that division. I like Oakland. Um, I'm going to skew towards the Rays just because I don't think the Yankees are that much better. Um, and, uh, but yeah, probably Yankees and, and Rays come out of that division. Uh, White Sox in the central and uh, Oakland out West for one of them. And then um, I'm going to say we get, uh, mm, I'm going to say we get a Padres Rays world series. That'd be fun. Shocker. All right. Um, that'd, that'd be fun. <laughs> Shocker, the homer goes with the Rays. I, I hope. Imagine imagine we get a, a Padres-Rays World Series. They yeah. leave Blake Snell in, and he gives up a home run to lose the game. Yep. Oh. <laughs> so I, I do have some life advice. Um, so let's say it's, I don't know, April 22nd, uh, and the Padres are coming to town in L.A. Uh, uh, Joe Buck is calling the game. And they're looking around the stadium, and oh, who do they spot? They spot Matthew Stafford, the new Rams quarterback. I'm going to tell you what you need to do right then and there. You turn off the fucking TV. No matter how good that game's going to be, you turn off the fucking TV. And that's my life advice. Why, right, why is that? Did, is there any significance to to the Dodgers and, and Matt Stafford? I can't think of any si- significant uh, connections between Kershaw specifically and Matt Stafford now. Turn off the fucking TV. Don't let Joe Buck go through it. <laughs> That's his favorite anecdote. And you just tell, you can't, it's just like the guy runs up to me. He's like, I just, I have to tell you, like, you don't, you're not going to believe this. Like, I have to tell you. He's like, oh, I know he's going to tell me. He's told me 15 fucking times already. Yeah. Like, I don't believe in QAnon or any of that stuff, but uh, I don't know, man. Bringing Stafford to LA, it kind of makes me think there's a, there's a larger plan to incite riots. The Illuminati. Yep, it's Illuminati. Illuminati proven for sure. That's awesome. All right, guys. Well, 
Any closing thoughts? That was a baseball podcast. That was that was yeah. a baseball podcast. We don't do many of them, folks. But yeah, yep. that's uh, you might get a little tidbit here and there, kind of if anything you know fun or exciting happens. But uh, as much as I love baseball, it's not a, a fun sport. It's not an exciting yeah. sport because Major but, League uh, Baseball tries their hardest to make it not fun. The, these first few weeks are always pretty fun, though. I think uh, getting started and getting in there. Um, I am I am happy with the fact that we haven't seen a ton of injuries knock on wood so far this year. So hopefully, uh, you know, at least the superstars will stay healthy and we'll get to see a lot of uh, fun. And hopefully the Major League Baseball actually starts promoting them a little bit more and, and uh, we get to see some of that young enthusiasm. For sure. All right, guys, I tried my best to make this one juicy. If you made it this far, God bless you. Uh, we will be bringing some more baseball coverage uh, down the road. But uh, from all of us here at the Sports Memory Podcast, have a good night.